1: of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy, there is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So, what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. Why don't you start?
2: You want me to start? Yeah. I mean, we're on the You're air. Is this your fucking start?
1: Is this your fucking start, oh, Pazer? Siobhan, we let women go first last time. To, like you were fucking tested to this. I tell Corey, "Can you go first? And he thinks I'm kidding. Do
2: Do I have to do everything? Is that does how my works? mullet
1: confuse you that I'm joking?
3: I played Brock the episode where I did the intro. He's like, "You already used a word within the first five words that nobody knows." I'm like, "No, I swear this is a commonplace word." He's like, "I don't even." That's know impetuous. What that means. <laughs> I said usurp. He was like, "Oh no, that's not a word people are gonna know." Yeah.
2: With a word like that, and not only you lost some of the audience, you lost half the hosts <laughs> on this
1: show. But. <laughs> With that said, we actually had a guest this week. We did. Corey, yeah. are you going to give us the lead line? Do I have to fucking feed this to you like a we're goddamn animal? We're still waiting animal? for Corey to do the so intro. So sh- yeah, do you going to tell like, what we show like, we're on? Dro- you dro- we can drop some hints. Uh. <laughs> I mean, they probably went to the website or something, so at least we now have like a fan base of my mom and your mom, Chavon's mom and like seven people, and David Aberzee from Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. But other yeah. than that...
2: If you are a fan of many, many notes played in a very short period of time. Did you even tell them
1: the show? You even tell them the show. What show are they listening to, dude? Who cares? I mean, I don't care because that's my thing, but they do care.
3: Fuck you both. Welcome to another episode of 2020, where this week we have, as Ben would say, the illustrious, the, the intellectual, the, I don't know what other adjectives you can use, Rusty Cooley.
1: Rusty Cooley. Dude, I'm like, I'm literally like a proud Jewish mother of both you and fucking Rusty Cooley.
2: Any any guitar fans out there are, are going to want to check this one out. Uh, you're talking about someone at the peak of technical abilities when it comes well, to metal and shred.
1: I'm, I, mean, I I mean, my brain, I'm sorry, it works you too just fast. You can't I don't resist mean to be, from interrupting. I can't resist, <laughs> but here's the thing about like, Rusty Cooley. Because I didn't know who he was at first because like he's not as obvious as an ingvay Malmsteen or a Steve Vai. But like those guys all know who he is because in the 80s and 90s, probably more like the 90s, 2000s, Rusty Cooley came out and he was the fastest guy around. He was like whether you thought his style was cool or not. He was like the guy that you were watching VHS tapes of before there was YouTube. So now you have all these super shredders out there playing fucking gazillion notes of minutes. But before there was Pro Tools and cutting and pasting, because I promise you, Rusty doesn't know how to use any of that shit. There was just Rusty Cooley. And like I gotta tell you, if you haven't heard him, it's like it's an onslaught to the brain. Like it's like if the first time you've heard Slayer, that's what Rusty's shred skills are like. It's like Slayer.
3: Yeah. yeah. And what's cool shred. about this episode,
2: he 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 kind of dives into his influences and, and some of his techniques, but he he also talks about more of the stuff you wouldn't expect to hear from him. The, the theory and, and some of his approach to composition. Uh, that that most people that have only seen his YouTube videos might not know about. Yeah,
3: I found that I really related to Rusty, which was kind of unexpected for me because I felt like we were kindred spirits as you have like similar underground hair. scholars. You're very similar <laughs> hair, <laughs> but, but not just the hair, but that we're like just secretly just underground nerds that just want to play really well and well. It's don't like care if you were in the technology. middle of an
1: ocean <laughs> and you had nothing but music theory to guide you, he would be a raft. In right.
3: fact, something that he referred to. So yeah, check yep. that you should out. probably
1: listen. <laughs>
2: Here he is, Rusty Cooley.
1: I'm Betty Goodman, and you're here with 2020 with a fucking crew of Misfits, a special crew of Misfits tonight, I'm very, very happy to say, on the fucking bass guitar, Corey Peza. Woo! I'm, I'm fresh out. It's back yeah, there somewhere. Yeah, yeah I know. He does a lot
3: more than just the bass guitar.
1: six-string bass! And then we have Siobhan Cronin, our resident better-than-everybody-else person. No. Because she's got two billion oh. streams with her bands. <laughs> She always, she's like uh, no, a, a, true, a filter on her face. She dresses I, I nice. Care. She's always I in care. black, which is rock and roll. And oh, yeah. speaking of all in black, speaking of like literally legends of what we fucking do, <laughs> one of the fastest gunners in the goddamn world, we got Rusty kool Hey. Hey.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Oh, that was emphatic, Rusty. <laughs>
0: yeah. I Sorry. Is that hey, a PPP
1: you know. or an FFF?
0: I'm not really sure.
1: <laughs> how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. You're cooly. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've been waiting for so long for some somebody to walk into that terrible, terrible joke. <laughs> so I, I, I want. I, we were talking off offline because you know we're corporate motherfuckers here, obviously. Right. Um, yeah. I was talking to Rusty um, about how his 2020 has been going, and uh, it seems like this man is busier than ever. And if you're as busy as you are with uh, your, your schedule, as you are with those notes, I, I would imagine you must be a busy man.
0: Um, yeah, I, I am. And I'm not. I mean, it's it. I teach pretty much every day of the week, except for Fridays. I'm off on Fridays and I teach every other Saturday. So I get a few days off here and there, but I don't, it's not like extensive hours. I mean, it might start at you know, like I started at 3.30 today and I finished at nine, but some, most of the times I don't finish till a little after 10 on Wednesdays. So it's it's somewhere between three and 10 or 11, you know? So I mean, I well, still have all day and I still have all night, you know, and I don't sleep at night anyway, so.
1: Well, I gotta ask you a yeah. question because you teach so many lessons. But, like, you're such a Jedi level guitarist. Like, if I came to you and said, hey, listen man i want I want to learn Wonderwall by Oasis. Yeah. like do you teach that shit? Like do we learn Absolutely. that in, in the Rusty Cooley school of guitar or is it yes. just straight to sweet picking no. four notes a string? No, 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 no man.
0: I, man, when I was younger, I used to dream of the day when I had all advanced students, and then, after about a six months of finally acquiring all advanced students, uh, I was about ready to throw up. It's like. Man, if I have- <laughs> If I have to teach one more sweet picked arpeggio today or play one more harmonic minor scale today, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so so personally, for me, it's much more stimulating to teach, you know, anybody from a seven-year-old little kid to a 70-year-old dude, you know, from somebody who wants to strum chords around a campfire to rock, jazz, blues, funk, fusion, whatever it is. You just said jazz. Yeah, I have to ask you a
1: question. So we just yeah. interviewed Rodolfo Zuniga, who's like this Frank Zappa-esque fucking crazy... He plays drums for Julio Iglesias, mm-hmm. but like he, he literally, I is the, the two. It's like acid jazz, Zappa yeah. craziness, and he was saying that jazz yeah. is like the ultimate. And I think now, now that I've, I've been taking guitar lessons again from a jazz teacher, and yeah. that's the only thing that like mystifies me. It's not like can he do that crazy arpeggio? I know what you're doing. But when yeah. you play a thirteenth chord or an add nine, I'm like, yeah. what is that? What is that? How did you just that's, suspend that the like way the you did time that? I've heard you bring up the thirteenth. I know chord. This, is, this is like your this favorite thing. The only real, thing I know. I found out there was a six. The guy oh. said there's a six too.
0: <laughs> well, see, Benny, then you've been missing half of my playing because I play all that stuff.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Well, you know what's so fast? It's like Sonic The hedgehog. I always
0: see.
3: Week. No, but <laughs> I mean,
0: you see, what I've done as a guitar player is I've studied what all the jazz guys do and fusion guys do, so that I can interpret it and then. It, it into what I do. It's like I tell all my students: if you only listen to metal, you're just going to regurgitate metal. How can you bring anything new to the table? So it's yeah, by really it's point by point. listening to rock, jazz, funk, fusion, classical, blues, Bulgarian folk tunes, whatever. You know what I mean? You channel that into yourself, and then you become something new.
1: When I talk to you, so so that our viewers know, John Petrucci invited you to come teach at his camp, and we all know that, like, obviously he's like the Darth Vader of guitar playing. Yeah. And I was like, so who? what was that like? And you're just like, Al Miola.
0: Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) But it's
1: great because it's like, there's, there's like old school and new school. And it's so great to have someone like you, uh, who's such an incredible player, but have respect for a guy like Al Miola that a lot of kids that even go to Berkeley now, unless they're like the nerdy, nerdy uh, jazz guys may not even know who he is. You know what I mean?
0: That's unfortunate. You know, I try to educate, uh, all my students as much as I can on where this shit really came from. You know what I mean?
1: What's the yeah, song you start of- people out with as far as Al Demiola? Uh,
0: probably Passion, Grace and Fire. That's a good one. Yeah, that or a little bit of uh, Race with the Devil on a Spanish Highway.
1: Actually, just so for our viewers to go watch. I also you, love, what is that? Uh, his new. Have you seen his new cover he just did of the Beatles? Uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. It's fucking have,
0: out there. I haven't heard it, but I've seen it. It's I mean, awesome. I've seen the, the, the whatever they had for it or whatever. But it's—I mean—anything D'Amelio does is cool. You know, his name is like Paul McCartney or somebody like that, like the Paul McCartney.
3: Wow. <laughs> is there more yeah. than one?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's seriously. I mean, that's what he said when he was. I mean, I don't know if it's currently or at one time, but that's what he was talking about at the camp. You know, wow. he was like he was like real sheepishly to go over there and give him some music of his own. You know, <laughs> he's like, hey, just, you know, I played in a band too. You know. Oh my God, that's that's <laughs> that thing, you know. Like,
1: um, hey, listen, man, we all gotta be humbled by somebody, right?
0: Well, absolutely. You know, and the first Paul McCartney
1: that, could do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the what, first year that I camp, the most exciting thing for me was that Tony McAlpine was gonna be there, one of my guitar heroes, you know what I mean? So you so know So that
1: was the guy, Tony McAlpine of he was,
0: the, yeah. he was the first year. I mean, McAlpine was there both years, but
1: No, but I'm just saying that like so like for you, that was one of your guitar. So who yeah, are your guitar absolutely.
0: heroes? So, cause, Cause you're
1: everyone else's guitar hero. Who are your guitar <laughs> heroes?
0: I have so many of them. It's not even funny. Um, well, I'll start with the basics, Randy Rhodes. You know what I mean? Right there. Started out for Randy. the first three years I played guitar it was Rhodes or die. And, uh, and Halen fan, but Randy took first place over that for me. Um, i just like the writing better. You know what I mean? Um, and then, and then I heard this guy named Yngwie Malmstein and, uh, totally sent me back to the woodshed and made me rethink everything that I've had done that far but you know I'd only been playing guitar <laughs> about three years at that time but um you know so Yngwie was a huge influence shortly after that Vi came into the equation it was totally into Vi and Satch I have uh I have surfing no I have that album not as the, not of this earth on vinyl still you know and when I bought it it had a little sticker on side the cellophane that said it said when I was 14 years old I took my guitar and a pack of strings to Joe's house and it was Steve Vi." you know, saying that because Satch was, uh, I mean, Satch was vice teacher. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like Satriani. And then every, just about everything that came out of shrapnel records, Jason Becker, Marty Friedman, Greg, Howe, mm. Richie Cotson. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a million guys. Darren. gets
1: PTSD. Anytime you mention Marty <laughs> Friedman.
0: So you know, I he, was, Marty Friedman
1: hazed Siobhan. I don't know if we told you this, but he put her he, through the ringer.
3: He put me through the ringer in his really? compositional process. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you <laughs> very, have to understand. Very, picky. very Mar- picky. Marty's
1: idea of of things are just you do it Marty's way or not other way. So he gives you the idea that you have freedom, but like freedom is an illusion.
3: Right. <laughs> it's a total <laughs> illusion. Yeah. yeah.
1: I can. Imagine. Wanna, here's the thing, though. I will tell you, Rusty. He's always right. Yeah. Because he's Marty fucking Friedman. <laughs> S- S- Jason I- Becker went to that guy to learn how to write a song. He's like, hey, hey, how do I get better? And then he asked, so when Marty Friedman was not sleeping after doing Dragon Kiss, he's like, I'll walk downstairs and do altitudes with Jason Becker and tell him how to play it better. So Marty, like,
0: Marty's not on altitudes?
1: No, he's the one, he pr- he produced it. Are you sure? He I was doing Dragon Kiss concurrent, Yeah.
0: But I mean, yes. they just finished the second cacophony album and they both did a solo album.
1: I know. They were doing a hit, Dragon Kiss, during the yeah, day and then Perpetual Burn at night.
0: Yeah, I don't think Marty was producing
1: it. He was sitting in the studio helping him put it together. Oh. I listened to his podcast about it. I swear <laughs> to God, I'm such a nerd. You have no idea. Benny's
3: <laughs> well, I, 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 losing uh, his mind right now. I,
1: uh, <laughs> I didn't know this. I was blown away that, that during the night he was doing uh, Dragon Kiss during the day, or it could be the inverse of this. Well, I'm, I'm perpetual sure
0: they Burn. Were each other's sessions. You know what I mean? In the same band and Jason played guitar twenty four hours a day. I was um I did a little thing with, with Jason and Jeff Loomis and Richie Cotson and a couple of other guys several years well, several years ago. It's probably been ten years now, but of course Jason's dad was talking for him and, and Jason was telling stories about him and Richie Cotson, you know, because Varney asked Rich J- Jason to go in the studio when Richie Cotson did his first CD. And You know, Jason's like, well, we were both like 17, 18 years old and he put us in a studio together (laughs) because we were like farting on each other and putting bubbles (laughs) over each other's hair and shit, you know. (laughs) And uh, still managed to put out some cool records.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, those records uh, were a little bit more than cool, I'd say.
0: Yeah, for real, man. Man,
1: I just want to quit every time I listen to Cacophony.
0: Yeah, that, that, I was, I'm a big Jason guy. Jason was one of my biggest influences. Like the three, three pinnacles that left the biggest imprint on me in my early years was... Uh, you know Jason Ingve um, and Paul Gilbert you know um, those three guys that's that song off my can you
1: yo-yo as you're as you're doing all the hammer-ons like, like Jason Becker I can
0: eat a ho-ho <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's close
0: yeah I don't I don't your... the job done. are there any
2: um, uh, guitarists out there or musicians in general that might be surprising for people to find out that are have influenced your playing
0: yeah I'm sure there's a lot um, I'm a huge um, classical violin piano freak um yeah. Let's uh, well, yeah yeah talk about
1: your Siobhan let's 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 geek out what's your favorite like classical violin shit well,
0: I mean I like I, I was talking about violinists that are actually recording the pieces today like uh. well, obviously Michael Ravens passed away but I like um it's not Perlman and Yasha Heifetz's
3: past yeah Yasha Heifetz it's a legendary yeah yeah the Jews they're awesome
1: so you know let's I mean see, Perlman listen like, I watched
3: all that yeah. stuff I know exactly yeah <laughs> um
0: uh Rigario, R- what's his name?
3: Oh, Ricci. Ruggiero, yeah. Ricci, yeah. Yeah, that's
1: it. yeah. yeah, he was
3: in the same lineage as my teacher. So, you know, classical violinists are all into what lineage you is came it,
1: from. Is, is that, is that like horses, like where you get like an Iberian warm blood and it's like <laughs> since the 13th century they've been breeding you to be a violinist? Well, a lot
3: of it has to do with different schools. You know, people it's, talk it's just about biology. The or, School. Right. There you go. In Trademark in biology. the
0: story about when Yasha Heifetz, you know, Perlman went <laughs> in to audition for him or whatever that was called back then. Do you hear that story?
3: I don't, maybe. I'm sure one of my teachers has oh, told yeah, it, but you should tell it again.
0: It. I don't know. I can't remember the exact details of it, but it's like Yasha Heifetz, when he would come in, he'd ask you to play scales. And and when he meant scales, he meant everything from those scales, arpeggio. Uh-huh. Everything. Yep. He yeah. Yeah. Onto that new advance, you know, so he had all this stuff and he actually, you know, it, it caught uh, Heifetz's attention, so to speak uh-huh you know, it is you know it's pretty funny because a lot of apparently most people that went into audition or i don't know what the process was if maybe they were being critiqued or something like that
3: mm-hmm.
0: but, uh, most people didn't know that and they would just play the scales and then i would be like okay next yeah so, but i mean you know i like all those guys um and i i like i'm a huge paganini fan um and more than just the 24 caprices but but like if you take all of those different violinists that have made recordings of them and put them all together and you you know, it's like me being uh, into in technique. I'll take and look at like uh, Jerry Ricci's and then Perlman's and Michael Ravens, And and I've seen some other guys that do it, but nobody comes close to those guys. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: David Garrett or whatever. It's like, man, come on, get out of here. <laughs> you know I mean? That, hip, that,
1: that hippity hop <laughs> bow thing that they do where they're like yeah, almost yeah. like sweet bowing. It's like
0: you know what I'm a,
3: talking about? The Heifetz yeah. thing? like the, Yeah, the, the yeah. yeah it's the, like a ricochet or a spiccato like bowing. You
0: yeah. should not be allowed to record those. 24 Caprices, you know what I mean? Well, I'll tell you this
1: right now. We did 24 Caprices and we we did, uh, I think, was it the fifth Caprice or... uh, We did it, yeah, we
3: did an excerpt from the We did excerpt of the fifth
1: Caprice and we did it like 150 BPM or something completely inhuman. I
3: think and it was 166 or something. Well, hold like that. on. And then remembers. Siobhan calls
1: us and she's like, it sounds oh, a little bit yeah, sleepy to me. And like, <laughs> meanwhile, every guitar player that was going to play on it's like, I won't do that. Not even <laughs> Conrad Simon, who's no, on the record. No, but there record, are some things on my list that just are
3: easier. Yeah. I mean, with the well, yeah, I understand. A
1: lot. But she plays the 24th, uh, yeah. you play the 5th <laughs> Caprice at 166 BPM I'm, and I'm pretty sure I'm not aware of any recording of it that fast. Yeah. I'm just saying.
0: I could do that but it's like see this I'm usually a 16th note triplet guy so 16th notes at 200 bpm to 250 it's not too big of a deal I mean well 250 is pushing it but you know
1: so are we challenging you to this because are you, are you <laughs> there's still like this is the third this is for Ollie so there's a part where if we if you could do it we'll let you okay send me the recording hell yeah uh, Co- oh, cory has your email it'll be at the your gauntlet place it has been laid Listen, okay while we're talking about that i want to say something so rusty sent me an, an eight string guitar and i told him i don't know what the fuck to do with these other two strings and right now it's strung up with like eight e strings because that's what's more useful <laughs> for me but i wanted to throw the gauntlet back at rusty with another eight string wonder Oh,
3: that's
1: yeah, God. I'm going to up the ante to an eight string U-harp ukulele duel. Oh, I can do that,
0: too. Because <laughs> the, amount
1: of, the amount of technique. There we go.
3: And hold on a second. Oh my gosh. We shouldn't allow Ben to record podcasts no, after no, a certain hour the of the thing night. Is,
1: These four strings don't even have frets.
3: Rusty, Welcome to my any
1: time you want, I will fucking throw down with no. an eight string, you harp ukulele.
0: You can have that eight string and I'll take a six string uke.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seriously, I've played six string ukes. They're strung up just like a, a six string guitar. Yeah. And they're awesome to play. Oh wait,
1: you'll be better at anything with strings than me? Surprising. <laughs>
0: Keys on it, yeah. I mean, again, I can, like, move my fingers, but that's it,
1: you know? <laughs> I'm just amazed that you're, like, open to the idea of playing Paganini at 166 BPM, which is actually, what Wait, is that, 334?
0: Caprice, so, so. so. what, what is, like, see, I have a, I have a playlist. She's very
1: particular, because here's the what other I thing. Know. Apparently, guitar players don't play violin like violinists, according to oh. Siobhan. No, they don't. Well, no, it's,
3: no, it's a different technique. We have different <laughs> tools to yeah. use. It's got to be played differently.
0: It's, it's tuned in fits, right?
3: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, so on a guitar tuned to fits, that would be pretty weird. You know, that would be some big jumps, you know? Yeah. But, but you know, I, I don't, what is, I have a playlist with, so I took Paganini, not not uh, Paganini, but I took Pearlman's version of the 24 Caprices and Richie's and Michael Ravens. And I, would l- I looked at all the timings on all of them, right, for how long it took each song, you know, piece, Caprice. Mm-hmm. And I took the fastest take of each guy and put it, put it in his playlist. So, because every one of them played each piece at a different, took them a different time to play it, you know what I mean? So I don't know what the BPMs are, but have you heard, like, have you heard Michael Rabin's version of the fifth Caprice? I don't think
3: I've heard his. I've definitely heard the other two, though.
0: I'll tell you what, the, I like Michael Rabin's version a lot because it's very raw. It's like he's in the studio with his violin, and it's like almost just dry. Uh
3: huh. I mean,
0: so you what you hear is what you get. It's not a bunch of big raw and raw. Yeah. Not a bunch of big reverbs and yeah. stuff. Like that. And you really hear that he's nailing this stuff. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool, man.
1: I yeah. like that.
0: I like that sound. I mean, it's it's not as polished as Perlman's in 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 the respect of you know the lavish reverbs and all that stuff you
1: want we want to annoys me though the best version the best version of Paganini's 24th caprice is by a female Asian violinist I don't know her name I went and watched a million versions of them and then all of a sudden I saw like the 17 year old like female beautiful Asian geisha looking violinist and she
3: just nails it nails it there are a lot of those in the world but uh,
1: (laughs) and I'm like, does that piss off? Like, it's has got like, wheeling himself around going, Oh, Like I got out doing Perlman. There's no way. Yeah, in it.
0: there's there,
3: there's a certain character that Pearlman has. I mean, there are a lot of people nailing Finesse. it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not about just, yeah, getting the timing and the notes. There's a lot more to it than that. But yeah. Yeah. And there's Weird. a character in a lot of those older recordings that you don't get in newer, more modern stuff because it's all so, yeah. Well, high, you know high, yeah, who the, the back or whatever.
1: You know who the best was, in my opinion? And I don't know if you know this guy, but Roy Smeck. Yeah. Roy Smeck used to play yeah. Yeah. the ukulele. And here's the thing is, he would do all that crazy, the yeah. tappy shit that everyone does, but back in the 20s. I mean, yeah, Soprano but, yeah. Martin. Exactly. And you want to know what? It was crazy.
0: And so did uh, Roy, not Roy. What's his name? Uh, from Hee Haw. Um, what's that dude's name?
3: Uh, I don't know, Ben. Do you know? Well, or oh, like, more of the... The guys on Heat the two main. I dudes. thought you
1: were impressed that I even know who Roy Smeck was. <laughs> yeah, well, you he, know. does Rusty actually know who Roy Smeck is? Because if, if you haven't gosh, seen him, you guys absolutely. should all go dude, watch him, dude. I know. Have you seen the guy? If you
0: YouTube this, you YouTube Roy so, Clark. Were you thinking of Roy no? Clark? Roy Clark. Thank yeah. you. Roy Clark. Thank was
1: was doing, <laughs> Roy
0: Clark was doing tapping. Chet Atkins was doing tapping. Well, dude,
1: watch Les Paul. Like that's Um, the other thing. Like you go see Ed Sheeran and people are like, oh my God, he's playing the guitar with multiple parts. And he's a great player. I'm not taking it away from Ed Sheeran. In fact, I wish I could be Ed Sheeran. But that said, (laughs) everything that he's doing, Les Paul was doing inside his guitar in like 1961 with his wife and -hmm. they were amazing. Like to this day, that's some of the best picking on anything ever was Les Paul.
0: Do you know what happened to Les Paul's right arm? No. Yeah, broken. Broken. Yeah, they, re- him and Mary Ford were in a car crash. And so the technology back then for resetting and casting wasn't very good. So the doctor asked uh, Les Paul where he wanted his arm to be. So Les said right here. So his right arm never extended further than that. So he could like, play. <gasps> yeah, because it was broken so bad that, that it was he, the doctor set it there. And that's where it stayed. And he, could wow. move it off, he couldn't go down any further than that. You know what I mean? It was just wow. so.
2: Crazy. Yeah, he customizes broken arm to play guitar. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow.
3: Nowadays, you can just
0: say, I don't know, replace my right hand with a drill. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> drill with the about the 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 only-
2: able- That's about the only way I'll be able to play as fast as you. So I'm gonna have to give that a shot. Get a Dremel at the end or something. Yeah. Right.
3: Yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> to 1500 RPMs. You
1: know? I, ga- I got to tell you though. So so I'm gonna talk about our sponsor, the Lost Symphony, because Rusty <laughs> oh, plays on, on Chapter Two, which is coming out in October, and. It's on a song called The Garden of Earthly Delights. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of crazy players on this. But hearing you and Jimmy Bell. He's awesome. Okay. Jimmy Bell and Conrad Simon are two of the fastest left-handed players I've ever heard in my life. But hearing you and him together, because here's the thing. like A lot of the players are fast, Mm -hmm. but like they have a lot of different techniques. Your technique is just, it sounds like you're sped up. But when you go into (laughs) Jimmy Bell, it's like, Oh my God! I can't handle. It's like in Amadeus <laughs> when the guy goes, "It's too yeah. many notes." Yeah. Well, well which, which, which notes would you like me to take, take out? Yeah, exactly. And then, and I Love can't that. take out any notes from you because there it always sounds ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the most awesome answer ever. Well, which one would you like me to remove?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know, court court magistrate, I mean, whatever. <laughs> that's so. But yeah, Jimmy oh Legend. I mean, I remember being a kid hearing about Jimmy Bell. You know and this is you know we're talking when i was a kid that's like before the internet shit it, <laughs> you know so we actually had to look at read magazines and stuff like that and mike varney used to have a thing in guitar player magazine called spotlight column where it showcased three guitar players every month and i remember seeing the one about jimmy bell and i'd always heard his name and i i went to uh, the national guitar summer workshop in like 80 i don't know man 85 or 86 is it, in high school and uh, I don't know that really dates me, but, um, uh, I mean, and, uh, National also National dates,
1: National dates Jimmy.
0: Yeah, it was, it, was in, <laughs> it was in Connecticut, right? So everybody knew Jimmy was in Connecticut, you know, and then, uh, you know, to finally meet him, um, or not, we've still haven't met in person, but we hooked up via the internet and, and phone and stuff like that, probably in early two thousands and, uh, been friends ever since. And just, you know, it's just cool. I mean, I did the thing, shredneck thing with him for a while and, you know, with that and he's just a cool dude. And, it's well, just, so it, cool it to be able best. to
1: hear you it's and Jimmy fine. and, and Ollie and you know, Kelly and Conrad. Cause I remember you knew who Conrad was before yeah. I knew who Conrad was. Yeah. You said, I've been hearing about this guy forever and yeah. to be able to put all these lunatics yeah. on fucking songs together. People are like, how did you find these guys? I'm like, I don't know how I found them. It's like, yeah. it's like in back I to the future. Marty, I don't know how I found them, but I found them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I did it. I just did it. It's cause you have to, Yeah. You know? well,
1: you set the gauntlet so high, the bar. <laughs> well, it's not really me. It's not
0: my fault. It's my guitar hero's fault.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I blame
1: Molly for introducing me to who you were. Who? Because I had no idea. Because there Ollie. was Molly. I, no. yeah, I was like, oh, no, no, all, yeah, Molly. Yes, I was. I was high on ecstasy. Yeah, and I I was like, oh so my crazy. god, I feel so good. Rusty Cooley under the influence <laughs> makes me feel great. Um, but no, <laughs> uh, one night because we were talking about ridiculous players. I'm, I'm was recording symphony at the time, which is now lost symphony. Uh, mm-hmm. Yay. For trademarks. Um, yay. <laughs> Ollie was like, dude, you, have you ever heard my buddy rusty? I'm like rusty. He like, rusty cool. Yeah. <laughs> i never heard rusty. Cool. he looked at me like, like literally I told him that I didn't, I, I, would never gone in the ocean. Yeah. You know, like something crazy. Like, and even then like that would have been not as crazy. And he sat me down and made me watch yeah. your videos. And he's like, I just wish I could play like that. I just wish I could play like that, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, "Holy shit!" And then for years, the, the, here's the thing: technology has gotten so much better since I've met you. Because I remember when I first met you, you're like, "How do I plug my guitar into the computer?" And oh, now, yeah, I'm
0: like, dude. oh my god, Ugh.
1: now we're now we're here. Now we made a record. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit further along than that. Not too much. I mean, I can turn it on, plug my guitar in, record some solos, record okay. some of them guitar tracks. But
3: that's about as far as I've got. Siobhan doesn't even that's have an that's, SD that's card in her microphone
1: thing.
0: She's
3: not even recording really this.
0: this. It's like you know, you you gotta rise to the occasion. You know what I mean? That's yeah, the way shit's done now. So you keep up or yeah, out, you know, figure it out, fast up. You know what I mean? The music industry is like a fucking freight train, man. You either get on and ride it or get the fuck out of the way. You know, I don't wait for nobody. You know, it's brutal. If I didn't love playing guitar so much, I wouldn't fucking do it. You know
1: what I mean? Oh, I I, I completely concur. And now that we're finally loosening up a little bit, I want to (laughs) know the truth about this. So we've been asking a lot of artists, what should musicians stop doing? Like as a guitar player, you know, you you, you obviously are in a certain world. What makes you want to drink every time you see a musician do inserts?
0: Man, if I see another guitar player play fast and not say something new, I want to vomit. It's like mm. I've, I've, I've heard, you know what I mean? It's like everybody can play fast. It's like, so what? I mean, I don't care. I'm not impressed by somebody playing fast. I'm impressed with what you do with it. What can you write? What can you say with it? You know, I mean, here's something I haven't heard before. You know what I mean? Just don't play the same old cliche shit up and down. That's this what I was talking about earlier. You, all you do is listen to other guitar players or other metal, you're just going to regurgitate the same crap. You've got to res- mm-hmm. things outside the normal channel so you can bring something new to the table. You know, that's what it's all about. You know, listen, go listen to some, go listen to any other instrument, but guitar, True. you know, mm-hmm. listen to violin, listen to piano, listen to bass, um, you know, listen to Yo-Yo Ma, you know, listen to Victor Wooten, Jeff Berlin.
1: I always wondered what type of cello Yo-Yo Ma played. I have no idea.
3: I'm actually not sure. No, I'm sure I- it's on the internet.
1: He's, he's doing a callback. You back. not get he's the joke oh. Someone asked Siobhan, we were talking about like what kind of gear they use. And someone asked Siobhan what type of cello she played.
3: So They said what brand of cello. coming <laughs> yeah, with okay. like a sticker that you just buy at Walmart. I'm How like, well, did you not all, know, not know that?
1: I, first off, he probably plays a stra- the Stradivarius cello. Like the one okay. of two that exists because <laughs> it's there yo-yo there fucking one, ma. There is, there is yes. There's
0: there is a is. Stradivarius cello?
1: There's
3: yeah, I think
1: there are some. There's like six or seven of them or something. That's amazing. I don't. Yeah, more don't than know. the working guitars. There's only one working guitar, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> have you ever played a Stradivarius?
3: I have not. I have some friends who have been able to try them. A lot of them are just owned by foundations and other, right. you know, major have you ever, artists. So,
0: have you even seen one in person.
3: Yeah, I have. I mean, I've, you know, been to concerts. And I like send her a picture backstage. of
1: Stradivarius's yeah. all the time because I'm always in museums because I'm a nerd. And I'm like, look, Siobhan, it's an Amati Look, it's another Stradivarius. Look, this is a mid condition Stradivarius. Look, look at the binding on the Stradivarius. This is from the school of Stradivarius. What How many times have I sent you like stuff from the MFA or you, from like you have the Met? Many
3: times,
1: yeah, because I'm always amazed. I'm 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 personally aware of every Amati and Stradivarius like violin that there is in the world because I'm a Jew. That's a I bold statement. I sit there statement. and fucking watch. <laughs> no, because it's like. Okay, the last one sold for 53 million cuz like everyone's excited that Kurt Cobain's guitar sold for like whatever, but look at the Amadis and Stradivariuses. They're like literally like everyone's talking about like, "Oh, look at that Porsche." While they're selling Picasso's over there, dude. Yeah, like right. the the Amadis and the, the Stradivariuses are like 50-60 million dollars, whereas like meanwhile, like George Harrison's guitar is like 500 grand. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like I, I'm excited. I think that there's got to be something cool about an instrument worth $53 million. Well, a lot Samuel of the L. Jackson played it in a movie.
3: Yeah, well, a lot of the value, too, is that they can't necessarily be bought readily. It's not like you can say, oh, I have the money. I want to buy it. Who cares if you have $100 million? A lot of them are owned and coveted by foundations what, and an by families. What an elitist thing and, to say. I mean, no, no, but, but it's, it's true.
0: Existence still.
3: Ooh, I
1: Six, don't know. The 600, 600 Stradivarius is in existence still. It, 300 Amadis.
0: That are known
3: of. That are known of. Where, <laughs> Was, yeah like You're very confident with your facts. I mean, well, I, yeah, I Rudolph, it. Most
1: of them went through Rudolf Wurlitzer in New York City in the 1920s and 30s. My violin that you played, Siobhan, uh, went through Rudolf Wurlitzer and was made in Germany for Rudolf Wurlitzer. And I know that because most of the great violins that came into this country went through him. And he was responsible for about 300 of the 600 Stradivariuses that are known wow. uh, to still be around. That's mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pretty good number. You know, what I mean, 600. I mean, that means that they made a good, like, dude, I've had like 20 Gibson's in my life and only seven of them still exist. So like, I, I gotta say that the Stradivarius is probably made a little bit better.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I actually remember the te- Texas A&M actually did a study on uh, Stradivarius violins um, because everybody was trying to figure out how he made them and, they, and everybody apparently thought that the wood was very, it was dried out to an extensive level. Mm-hmm. And what I remember reading—I don't know if this is just fact or not—but this is what I remember reading is that Stradivarius used to ship the wood down um, the river in barrels, and the wood was soaked in different fruits and stuff like that in mm-hmm. these barrels that would go down the river to his shop or whatever. You know, so it wasn't mm-hmm. that they were super dried out. It was, you know, the stuff that was in the barrels with the wood, and then whenever well, yeah, my, my I favorite really thing is—is
1: is now I saw this because I, I stay up at night like a nerd and i go what's the oldest working organ is amati better than stradivarius like these are the things that i think about at night because i'm a fucking loser and they actually had a test with a bunch of like you know again virtuoso level violinists where they had like four amatis and two stradivariuses and like five modern builders and none of those motherfuckers other than like one or two fucking weirdos could tell the difference they couldn't because you want to know why it's it's like a it's a not a stigma it's a thing that people have like a a myth about it and don't get me wrong there's some of the best but like the tone is in your fingers so to say that this is the best violin or best ukulele ever is just a stupid statement because it might be the best ukulele in roy Smeck's hands
0: well i mean that's subjective though you know i mean right it's all
1: subjective
0: it is in your hands but it's it's more than just that. I mean, well,
1: your instrument certainly can complete it, but the point is that they had a bunch of weirdos with, oh, with yeah. mics and tests and with the blindfolds on, like eyes wide shut, these motherfuckers couldn't right, tell. Okay,
3: but that's for the listener. A lot of the reason people prefer a stra- prefer uh, Stradivarius is because of the way it responds to them. So a lot of artists will say, "Well, I like this because it will do exactly what I tell it to do." Whereas a violin that might not be as well made, you have to really work it harder. So maybe they can produce the same sound because they're great artists. To the listener, they might not notice the difference, but to right, the, but artist, the artists, they
0: totally know the difference. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you so
1: think the violin the plays that- you?
0: Um.
3: No, I mean, the violin just responds. People that have, ta- you know, people that know how to work the instrument can make any instrument sound great. You're right. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you want to have the easiest time doing it. You don't want to have to struggle with it, you know? But Absolutely. don't you have to
1: sometimes earn the instrument's respect? I've heard with Amadi's, for example, that, that, <laughs> that they can be a little bit more f- fastidious. But that mm-hmm. if you can make it work, that it could be sweeter than any Stradivarius, but that you mm-hmm. need to have a certain technique that maybe it isn't as easy to coax. i would would
0: say that's comparable to having putting 12s on your guitar as opposed to nines
1: all right stevie ray vaughn
0: you know i mean stevie ray that's gonna be light for him
1: yeah no yeah what is it like thirteens or fourteens? i I heard
0: 13 42 no
1: (laughs) (laughs) my fingertips are falling apart just thinking about that i I know
3: know,
0: right
1: Exactly. Now that we've bored everybody that doesn't play violin or guitar, Rusty, how's your life going? Like, tell us about like how the fuck did you get into being uh, a full? Like, when did you realize you had the magic power of music? Because I've been asking a lot of people. We are always curious what got people into the moment where you're like, "This is what I'm going to fucking do."
0: Well, I don't think I had a moment like that because all through my entire life. I've always known what I was gonna do. I mean, it was, I've never questioned it. When I, was, when I was born, I was born into a motocross racing family. I started riding dirt bikes and, and until we moved to Texas, I would have I probably continued to do so. But when we moved to Texas, my two older brothers moved out and it was just me, my mom and dad. My dad at that point had been racing for many, many years with my big brothers and he was tired of it. So um, my older brother started taking me racing with him and amidst all this, I was I was kicking ass and whatnot. And I was already on a bike that was a year old. And I was racing at a stadium track. It was like a Supercross kind of thing, you know what I mean? But a night mm-hmm. track. I mean, it wasn't racing in the Supercross, but it was a night track. You
1: know? So, of course, you're fast on a motorcycle, <laughs> on a guitar.
0: Absolutely. With the ladies, with the,
1: um, the liquor, right?
0: Hey, yeah, yeah, man, you got to do something. Letting right.
1: things on fire.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, man, out, out of the out of this whole shot, you know, I came around the corner right out of the gate and everybody was behind me and my bike hit you. When you land like this, then the bike kicks back like this, right? Yeah. So it kicks back and I was flipped over and everybody behind me landed on top of me. Oh, right. Shit. So so I didn't realize it at the time, but my foot was broken. That's because an 80 was on my head, and my head was pinned so far to the side. Oh, my God. So my brother's <laughs> over there picking up 80s, throwing them, right? And uh, so I'm sitting there on the with the paramedics, and, the, and they're like, oh, it's just sprung, whatever. My brother's like, hey, man, you mind if I finish my motos? And I'm like, I don't care, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know I'm like 15 or 14 or something like that. and.
1: Corey's like, I totally did the same thing.
0: Yeah, and it just so happens that my parents were out of town that weekend, right? So my brother had to call my parents because my I got home and the foot was killing me. And anyway, make a long story short, I've, once my foot was healed and I was ready to start racing again, I was, at that point I was on a bike that was two years old. And I was like, man, you know, come on. My big brother's got bikes brand new every year. What's up? You know, and maybe I was just too young to understand that. Maybe my parents just didn't have the cash for it at the time. So I was pissed off and I sold my last dirt bike and bought a new guitar. And uh huh. And that was it. And, and so at that moment, I changed from being a a motocross racer to a guitar player.
3: And And were you already interested in guitar playing or was it just like, I'm going to be a guitar player? I I, I had already had a
0: guitar and uh, I was, it was kind of in this weird transition period because it was like, you know, I was going from an injury to getting ready to start racing again. But it was like, you know, it was hard enough keeping up with the current bikes on a bike that was a year old. Now it was going to be two years old. You know what I mean? And you know, a good rider can, and a a, you know, a, a, lesser rider on a better bike but you know when you're riding with all good riders you know mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do on a two-year-old bike you know uh-huh. to the current. what so, initially
2: piqued your interest in guitar
0: um i'll tell you man it was uh it was uh, it was new year's eve in eighth grade and me and two of my other friends were jamming out to like ted nugent records and <laughs> and uh, cheap trick and some other shit like that with tennis
1: rackets <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, so the
0: year started, and we did that for a couple of months. We were all like air guitar in the tennis rackets. And
1: then I got this you have five tennis rackets uh, put yeah, together. Yeah, and check it out. Then
0: this one day I got this brilliant idea. I was like, "Hey guys, how about we get some real electric guitars?" <laughs> I mean, so that's a thought. Um, hey yeah, guys, yeah. So get this. You know, I went. I wanted to go. I went to the guitar shop, and I wanted one of those little mini kid flying bees. I didn't know any better. I was like, "Hey, this cool, it's cheap." Maybe my parents will buy that for me, you know. The guys were like, no, you don't want that. That's not it's, it's cool, it's a V, but it's not, you know, it's it's not real. You know. So I ended up getting a PV T twenty seven and a PV Decade amp, and I've never looked back. You know what I mean? I mean, I just I wanted to I didn't know that when you do something, you and that everybody does it. 110% I didn't know that I just that's the way I was you know I'm wired that way so if I do something it's mm-hmm. all the way or nothing and, I, and mm-hmm. I, one of the pivotal waking moments to that concept was when I was teaching at a, a guitar shop here in Houston probably in the mid-90s the, the owner of the store called me over and said hey man he was Rusty you gotta understand not everybody's like you you know because I guess he heard me getting on a student or something like that and, and and it was that moment that I went oh I get it you know not everybody plays guitar and and does it 110% all or nothing? You know, because whenever I do something, it's all or nothing. I'm in or I'm not. You know, and I'm not gonna quit. I'm just gonna do it. Sure. And it's either
1: say, grain when, alcohol or yeah, just
2: totally yeah, fucking whatever. When, you whatever. Say, Water. when you say all or nothing when it comes to the guitar, do you mean just mastering the instrument? Or did you have a career path planned?
0: Man, I was I was fifteen years old. I had my guitar and I was listening, I discovered Randy Rhodes and and I heard that Randy Rhodes had records out when he was still a teenager with quiet right and i'm thinking okay i'm a teenager i just started i gotta have records on a couple of years
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, for, yeah. Me, for
0: me it was catch up yeah you know and it was, yeah. it was a really good trip because you know at, then shortly after that guys like ingvay started coming out and jason and marty like especially jason and richie cotson and paul gilbert too before that paul gilbert was 18 when he put out racer x's first album you know he's like a couple years older than me And I started, you know, he started when he was like nine or something like that. So by the time he was eighteen, he was good enough to put out a record. I mean, that's
1: what a secret talent of Paul Gilbert, I'll show
3: you. Oh my gosh. Ben's on a roll tonight. Anyway, keep keep going, (laughs) Ratzi. No, it's super interesting.
1: So, you know, that
0: was my thought process. Like I gotta catch up.
1: He's an amazing amazing
0: artist. Amazing.
1: Fuck his guitar playing. Look at that. That's a self-portrait of of him. And he's even saying, like he's even too, too Benny. It so does, it's does, yeah. To me, rock and roll, because obviously Paul Gilbert's rocking. And look at his lips. It that looks even like looks Donald like Duck him. meets <laughs> Sports.
3: Yeah, it does. It, it does look a little Simpsons-esque. Oh, You're uh, like, Sports. that's the
1: guy from Racer X. That's not Bruce. That's totally yeah. Paul. Bruce. They call him Bruce.
0: Anyway. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty funny story. But
2: <laughs> So when you were thinking about putting out that record, like, was, were you... Were you thinking I gotta find a band or I gonna try to do this myself? You
0: no, know, I, I don't really remember exactly. I just knew that I had to do it. Yeah. Whatever I was gonna do, I had to do it. And 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 at one point in high school, I was I was so into everything that I didn't know if I wanted to be a jazz musician or a classical conductor. And you know, and I I got, I got through. What high would school. that have
1: been like if, if Rusty had come back like in another lifetime really fast as like, yeah, yeah. As like, <laughs> like Leonard Bernstein but with like Motocross. Like right, you know, cross together
0: a little brat, 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 <laughs> you know, um, yeah. My friends are having kids and I'm going brat, brat, brat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's like, uh, you know, after I graduated from high school, I started taking some uh, college courses and, and when I was, after I graduated, I was taking 12 hours of college. I was teaching at two guitar shops and I was rehearsing with a band five days a week. And mm-hmm. at some point I reached burnout and I had to come to the, I came to the point where I had to ask myself the question, what do I really want to do?
3: Yeah, yeah. That was, sure. I to play
0: guitar. So I quit school. I took all my students and consolidated them to one store and quit teaching. Cause I was teaching at a record store two days a week. I think I forgot to mention that too. So I quit that.
3: So,
1: yeah, That's Remember those record stores yeah. back yeah, in the man, day you so go, awesome. and you can just like watch, like go and listen to music yeah. and find I, things. Cause like Eddie was on the cover of it or Vic Rattlehead was on the yeah. cover of it. And you're like, wow, that looks cool. Or like slay, it says Slayer, and you're like, ah, oh, maybe my parents will be angry if I play this loud. And then and now and now those places don't exist. It's so
0: so much a bummer. I mean, I heard Prince for the first time. Well, no, I heard I discovered that Prince could play the guitar for the very first time in a record store when I heard the end of When Devs Cry. At that point, I didn't know he could play guitar, and then I hear that solo that he rips up at the end of that song. And I was like, holy shit, this is Prince. you know
1: you know what? Mm-hmm. Another reason why I hate Prince is because it. Takes that long to realize that he's that good. He's like, I'm just gonna put out like a bunch of albums, like sh- parade my a- my ass around, and weird sequins. And then yeah. about like six albums in, you're gonna realize, and I'm better than you. You gotta be in it for the long haul. And everything. gotta, gotta wait. And at, at, at playing arpeggios and doing my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, let him get back to what he was talking about. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> so you were, Prince. You were re- Prince just makes oh, me happy. Okay. It's okay. So you, you you were starting to feel a little burned out.
0: Yeah, so I was I was feeling burned out because I was you know that was, you know, completely overextending myself, and it's like mm-hmm. I had to figure out what I wanted to do, and that answer was I want to play guitar. So, I quit the record store, took all my students to one one shop, quit school, and uh, and stayed with the band, and, and just taught, practiced as much as I could. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's never you know I've never had a backup plan. I mean it's, it's this or nothing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean the shit has got bad too over the last you know you know, when the economy crashed and all that shit back in like 2013 or 2012. And, you know, it it hit me hard because I went from teaching like 56 students a week. Uh, oh my
3: God, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, it was 56 oh my students God. in a day, Monday through Friday, and then it's out like six on Saturday. And uh, I went from making a lot of money, you know, over 100 grand a year, you know, for, between teaching and royalties from records and uh, guitars and pedals and magazine columns that i was writing for to all of a sudden that shit dried up and i went to like 18 students and i still had the expenses of when i had the big money you know and it was like man i mean i I had moved into me and my wife my ex-wife now got divorced in 2011 and i had so much gear i moved in this two-bedroom apartment and the second bedroom was just for gear in my practice room or whatever in the closet (laughs) I swear, when you walked into the closet in this room, it was like walking into the stock room or whatever at the Guitar Center. It was piled from floor to ceiling with gear. And at the time, I had a personal assistant and a guitar tech where they, two, they were one and the same. And every month, it was like, okay, dude, go grab some shit out of the room, see what we're going to sell to pay bills this month. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, my God. And I had an H2,
0: and it got repossessed one month before it was paid off. So I had to go take out a loan that I could never pay back to this day <laughs> to get my Hummer back to pay it off the next month. You know what I mean? And it's like, dude, it was bad. It was like I was one foot away from being under the bridge, you know? You yeah, know, down yeah. up, they, looking under it. I mean, it's, it got that bad. So I was co-owner of a, guitar, a music school and it was so bad. I had to go teach at another guitar shop to try to make ends meet. You know what I mean? It was, it was grim, dude. That's was, the thing
2: about the the music business though, is there, especially if you're all in,
0: there's, yeah. there's no,
1: um, yeah. there's no Big safety swings. net.
0: No, yeah. there's not. You know what I mean? And I knew that when I got into it.
1: Well, that's good that you know it, and that's why you do it 110%, because a lot of people, and we say this, people that get into it because they want to get chicks, or they think they're going to be famous, or whatever, we get into it because we have anxiety, (laughs) and there's nothing else we're capable of doing. (laughs) Like, that's that's why I do this, is because I can't change fucking oil. I can barely—my girlfriend pumps the gas, not because I—it's because— I'm going to cause a problem. It's somehow going to spontaneously combust (laughs) because I'm not good at anything. What I can do is this. And
0: I think
2: that's something the uh, the, just a real quick aside. The first time uh, I ever spent time with Ben, I I joined a band he was in. And and the first gig we had, I had to drive him in his car to the gig because he didn't want to drive in Boston. And then we got a flat tire. It's so We got a flat tire and pulled over and he had a nervous breakdown, and I had to change <laughs> I don't even the time. remember this.
1: I feel like we're on the way to the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, I do remember this.
2: We're on the way to the Hard Rock Cafe. I'd known you for like three weeks at this point. And I was like, this dude is all right um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i'm trying to ch- i'm on the h- side of the highway trying to change the tire it's got a locking lug nut and i go ben do you have the lug nut key in the car he goes oh i, I remember know this. what that is, is and, yeah and called you know called all these people and was googling it. i'm calling and a million people in yeah, and- minutes i went inside opened the glove box and there was there the key yeah yeah uh, and yes for some so reason several yeah. years later i'm still here i don't
1: know yeah well no yeah. here's the thing is and i'll teach you something Corey is you just have to hold people hostage with things. <laughs> because... <laughs> you are
3: the only person I know that gets away with all of this no, shit. No, but mean, like, I mean, even
1: Rusty knows this. Because like, Rusty has so many better things to do than talk to me. Oh, man. But like part of him <laughs> knows that... like. <laughs> this is a good move. You know what I mean? Like,
3: We're putting like, this once, story like, I, in his mouth. <laughs> you know, let him you, say the words. <laughs>
1: you know, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Because, but I'm just saying, Corey's still here because you want to know what? He now is, I take credit for him being such a great mixing engineer. Because I threw so much stuff at him, gave him so much anxiety, which is the constant thing. Like, he had so much anxiety, he, he went to school himself. He yeah, did dope. exactly what Angel Vivaldi said is, go to YouTube and get a teacher. And he did. And now he's one of the greatest engineers I've ever heard. In, greatest engineers on this call, I hope.
0: You know what I mean. On but, this but, call. But somebody <laughs> telling you to go to YouTube kind of scares me. You know, so you got so you take your car in to get repaired, and they go to YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want know, to know what? Somebody did it right on YouTube. You just have to vet those fuckers because here's yeah. the thing: is there's so much information out there, you just have to know the right information. So if yeah, I see Marty dangerous. Friedman A telling me, what's
0: the problem with people today. It's it's information overload. Nobody can focus long enough to realize anything new is going on. I mean, there's there was a point when I went from being in an instrumental, you know, do my instrumental stuff to being in a band. When people would come up to me and they go, Oh, you're in a band now? And I'd be like, Yeah, it's all over all my social media, you know, and nobody would know it. Then I'd be in a different, you know, then when it's day of reckoning and it's like, oh, you're in a new band? Yeah, people come up and profess to be your they're, you know, I'm your most diehard fan ever and not realize that I haven't been in Outworld in 10 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's because the average person spends like three seconds or something like that on each page, not long enough. If you're on my homepage on anything that I'm on long enough to read something, not just look at pictures or something, you will know that I'm not doing that anymore, you know, because I do my best to just, you know, hey, flashing lights, I'm new doing Day of Reckoning now, or I'm doing this now, or I just did this album or whatever. It's unbelievable. When I was a kid, we were starved for information. There was no internet. I mean, I would I would go to the store and buy an album, and I would just spend hours reading the liner notes because I wanted to know every detail about it. I had to buy, like, Hit Creator and Circus magazines to find out anything about my guitar heroes, and half the shit was bullshit anyway. So you'd have to get a guitar magazine to find out anything. And, I mean, I would study it. I would learn everything about my guitar heroes that I could possibly find out. Because I just wanted to know everything. I mean, that's why I teach guitar. Because of Randy Rhodes, Randy Rhodes taught guitar. I got to teach guitar. You know what I mean? So, you know, nowadays I ask my students about what, what was the Rand-
1: what was the Randy songs in particular that because because I got to say that Randy Rhodes is probably like in my triumvirate of guitar players myself. Yeah, and there are specifically passages from him because like the thing with Randy Rhodes is he was such a flash in, in, in the pan in the sense that like he was only alive. As far as to really do anything from, like, what, 79 to 82. And he really only did, like, two albums with Ozzy, other than the live album they released. And, like, you know, some back room recordings with Quiet Riot, um, you know, with the Laughing Gas solo. And that's about what you got. But everything that you have from Randy Rhodes is fucking flawless. Yeah. and all those bootlegs especially the suicide solution solo um yeah. that he used to do with um with daisley and uh, um with um curse, and, and lake. curse lake and all that but the the amazing not even the version that's on tribute but like the 11 oh, minute yeah. long Did I have uh, oh, the, so many bootlegs yeah it's, it's it's perfect and but people don't realize that like there are people that have that much time in between albums as Randy Rhodes' entire career yeah Exactly. So, was what? So, what did it for you for Randy Rhodes? What were the What were the tunes? And what was the solo that pulled every, you in
0: every, everything? I mean, from the first note that I heard by him, it was great. Um, I mean, I like, and I can't say I'm more of a Diary of Madman fan than I am a Blizzard of Oz because there's moments in everything. But you know, Randy was so unique. Everything was a composition within a composition. You know, what I mean, his solos weren't. I mean, he didn't do any improvising really. I mean, he wrote. Solos. I mean, you, you have to if you're going to triple and quadruple track them. And not only that, if you're going to triple or quadruple track a guitar solo, man, your timing's got to be perfect. You know, because you can't tell that, he's, that a lot of those are triple. Well, and- then the
1: other thing is that he did that was absolutely amazing is he played that super ear piercing mid-range Marshall sound. Yes. But, that you but- can't hide shit from. Like yeah. th- there's no question he's playing it perfectly and he's yeah. got Max Norman's got him on the right, on the left, straight down the middle. And it sounds like I actually didn't like his tone for a long time because I, I was like in the school of bag Daryl, smiley face, anti-tone for a while. Um, so exactly. I had no idea You're that
0: like... Loving. I back Daryl was a kid when I was listening to Randy Rhodes.
1: No, I'm see I'm saying that like I didn't understand that mids is like so important. Like this is my progression to understanding tone. But that but, but I always knew from the first note with Randy Rhodes that everything was so deliberate, everything was so composed and everything like you'd listen to a song like D. You know what we, I mean? You could hear him on that on on the tribute album where they do like all the outtakes and stuff. His brain working. Oh, I almost got that harmony. I almost and it's just brilliant. Um, and yeah, I, mean, I gotta of, tell
0: you, some of my favorite stuff by him. And, and what I meant a minute ago about it is like being a composition with the composition. Is the solo was like a song inside the song, and and all mm-hmm. of the stuff was uniquely different. I mean, not every solo sounded the same. It was it was uniquely different. I mean, like listen to like um, Believer. Listen to the tones that he got on that album, and and then listen to like the songs that would fade when he would be playing a solo. It's like, I wanted to hear what the rest of it was. You know what I mean? I'd crank it up when it was fading out. It's like, come on, man, give me the rest of it. You know, they <laughs> got that, the rest of those solos somewhere. You know I mean? That's the shit I want to hear. Um, and I, I mean, I loved, I loved, you know, the Over the Mountain solo. I loved uh, uh, Mother, Revelations, Mother Earth, um, SATO. Um, you know, all of it, it was all great. You know, what's not to love? It's Rainy Rhodes, man. You know, and then I heard Yngwie. It was like, wow, there's actually might be somebody that's as good as Randy, you know, or better. I don't know. Sacrilegious to kind of say that, but man, when well, you not- know,
1: that's the great thing is that music is subjective. So like, you know, one person, Ingve Malmsteen can be better than Randy yeah. Rose. I think they, I, I don't think you can say better.
2: It's, right. I think right. it's different. I think
1: in any context, I,
2: no one's ever really bet. Well, there is a level of where yeah. someone's better. People but say like- better. Brian well, May right yeah, now is the is best certain- in the
1: world, according to the internet. Right. Brian May's the best this you- year. It was Kurt Cobain yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah
0: correct right the internet's all true
1: yeah it's completely <laughs> true
0: you got to believe everything on the internet absolutely anyway, so you what you were saying Corey?
2: no no i, I just think that it's it's always I, I hate those who do you think's better this person or this person it's like well what kind of mood am i in like what are you talking talking about composition technique yeah, tone? Right. like there's so right. many there, yeah. you, there's too many variables to to say yeah. a definitive i mean it, it'd
0: be like trying to compare chet atkins to yngwie malmstein yeah. or something and it's just two different worlds, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Is one better than the other? No, they're both great at what they do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's the beauty of it, you know? I mean, when you think about it, it's it's amazing when you stop and think about this whole planet, we all use the same 12 notes. Yeah. I mean, every culture that exists.
1: No, unless you play like sitar and you do like quarter no, notes, no, no, like no, no, quarter no, tones no, and
0: shit, no, no, like no, no. Ravi
1: yeah. Shankar shit.
0: Any, any instrument that doesn't have frets has those notes. Mm-hmm. All you have to have is a fretless get instrument, on. right? Yeah. You get all those notes. Now, now a guitar player can get those notes by bending, unless you have a yeah. step, unless you have a quarter step guitar. But any classical instrument that doesn't have frets, which none of them do really, unless it's a classical guitar, can get all those notes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just Indian music, you know. It's, it's they're there. We just don't necessarily use them in, in Western civilization. So Malaysia.
2: you've been teaching music for a long time at a really yeah, high a level. In Wait, so high how? Yeah. So. I, I'm curious because I taught. I taught for for several years, and uh, it wasn't for me after a while because I found a lot of. How kids. How much do I owe you, by the way? <laughs> a lot. Of, well, I, I got. Really That's dis- true. I actually took lessons from him. It's yeah. a true story. Yeah, I got discouraged with a lot of kids that, that didn't actually want to learn, and so I I, would, I was mm-hmm. trying to be passionate about it, and I just couldn't really get them to that next level. And then I found other things to occupy my time. But with so many students under your belt and so many years, like how do you keep it fresh? And how do you like, do you, do you approach every student differently? And like, is, there, is there a method to, to get the people to think about that? All the ideas you you're talking know, every,
0: about? Every, every, every man, every is different. It's just like, you know, every, every you know, fingerprint or every snowflake, you know what I mean? Everybody's different and you've got to try to get in inside and understand that student, you know, it's like, I'll have people that call me up and go, well, I'd just like to try one lesson to see if it's for me, you know, if you're, if you're the right <laughs> teacher for me. And it's like, there's no way that's not how it works. You know, I'm going to be the right teacher for you in one lesson. Yeah. You got to at least sign up for a month and let's see how it goes. You might not be the right student for me. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's right. never been the case because I'll take everybody. Um, you know, I don't care. I mean, I've taught people that were dyslexic that were blind that, you know, that any, any kind of handicaps. I mean, I've taught everybody. Sure. I don't care. I mean, I'll give it my best. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I forgot what the hell was the question? No, just so you, you mentioned that like, you
2: know, everyone's working with the same 12 notes. Right, So, yeah. so like, how, like, how do you approach all these different students and keep, keep the lessons unique and fresh and, and, and sure. how do you keep them motivated?
0: Well, the thing that you have to understand is that everybody learns differently and everybody's motivated by different things. So a lot of people, when they first start playing guitar, they want to learn songs, because that's, well, I'm going to learn to play songs by my guitar heroes or my favorite bands or whatever. And and that's fine. And in my early years of teaching, I wouldn't teach songs. And people would call me up and I'd say, look, if you're interested in learning songs, save yourself a lot of money, just go download some tabs off the internet, you'll be fine. But if you want to learn how to play the guitar and understand how those songs were written, Mm -hmm. develop the technique to play those songs, I'll be happy to show you. You know what I mean? Because I was all about, in the early days, you know, just, you know, I'm going to teach you how to play guitar so that you can be independent, not need anything else. You know, you'll learn to hear what you understand, what you hear um, so that you can, you know, interpret it and know what it is. So you can then turn, you know, turn around and learn it. And at the same time, I'm a believer that if you can listen to music, you don't have to copy it and actually play it to understand it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, there's people that are old school, that I get in a debate with, and I won't mention his name, but He comes from the school of, oh, I have to learn all these songs to learn how to write songs. And I told him, I said, I don't have to learn those songs to learn how to write songs. All I got to do is listen to them. I can hear that it goes verse, chorus, bridge, pre-chorus, whatever. I don't need to play it. And then I can take that information and I can use that information however I choose to use it. But one of the most important things that I've learned about myself and about music is that when you're writing music, you're writing your music. You don't have to follow anything that's ever been done before. It's your music. It's your song. You don't have to follow any formula. When I was writing my instrumental album, I had to keep reminding myself of that. It's like, oh, what are these guys doing? What are these all my shrapnel heroes doing? And it's it's like, I had to just tell myself many times, just stop, dude, just write it, let the notes fall where they fall. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what I do with all my music and try to, because, you know, I don't, it's not about, for me, it's not about fitting into a genre or a sound or a style. Whatever I write, if it's this song X, a ballad and next one's like a jazz song or whatever. i'm gonna do it and i'm not gonna worry about how how does it fit together well it's it's my it's my art you know that's what music really is to me it's an art it's not about you know and this is probably why i'm always broke because it's not about selling records to me you know what i mean it's about making music and if somebody happens to like it that's a bonus you know and that's that's the way i always think about it just because i'm not writing for other people i'm writing for me it's my it's personal you know There's a lot of sides to my guitar playing that people don't even know exist because I don't share it with anybody. Mm -hmm. I have friends that listen to me play guitar. They go, man, why don't you let people know that side of your playing? It's like, well, you know, you know, I just haven't got there yet. Mm -hmm. So
2: I think I think we're all curious about that. And we're coming up on the end of this first segment here. um, So we're definitely going to have to dive in a bit more. uh, But there's more alcohol to be
1: drunk. yes, And there's more weed (laughs) to be smoked. And I, there's a lot of notes to be played. And just so you know, Rusty, I'm not joking. I got a few of these things. I will send this shit oh to you, god, You are so because, into this thing. No, 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 because you want to know what? He sent me an eight string guitar and I, I stand by it that there are not that, look, Siobhan plays in a band called Surfaces and I will send you the link. Rusty, it's like some Frank Zappa shit. <laughs> and this guy plays a fan fret eight, eight, uh, eight string guitar. And he plays with his fingers. With no with with no pick, and I figured that that's what you need to do. You need to get the fan frets because you gotta oh, fan your go. fingers <laughs> out.
3: Right, <laughs> that like that.
2: Beautiful. <laughs> that is a beautiful guitar. And, and, that
1: and is then, beautiful. And, and then They're you beautiful. gotta you gotta you can't use a pick. You gotta you gotta play your solos with with your fingers.
3: Oh, you're oh. sending all these like secret challenges, Sam. Everything you say <laughs> is like, oh, here's something that you need to do. No, yeah. you gotta
1: see this guy that plays in that band. But that said, you've been 2020, <laughs> <20-20'd>. Rusty. I <laughs> hope you'll stick around and talk to us for another hour and hopefully drink a few more fucking shots because I'm certainly going to. I'll be here, bro.